Success is Subjective podcast series brought to you by ParentTrainers.com, presented by Lily Consulting. I'm your host, Joanna Lilly. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Robert McCaslin. Robert is the Director of Business Development for Alta Loma and founder of Sunlight Sober Living, both in the Austin area and Texas. Robert struggled with addiction and mental health from an early age and found long-term recovery in 2017. After finding recovery, he quickly realized his passion was working in the mental health field. And not long after that realization, he opened up Sunlight Sober Living. He finds true enjoyment in running this residence. Robert's passion, along with his range of personal and work experience, allows him to help individuals and their families find recovery from their issues with mental health and addiction. Robert recently obtained his Peer Recovery Support Specialist certification and plans to continue his education by pursuing a degree in social work. In his free time, he enjoys playing with his dog, Duke, and traveling with his girlfriend, Rachel. Let's not wait any longer. Here's Robert. All right, Robert, I'm so excited that you're going to be a guest on the podcast. Well, I'm so excited to be a guest. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Oh, I'm excited you're here. Um, Let's just dive right in. Why don't you go ahead and tell the audience, our listeners, where did you grow up? And then kind of this twofold question, what was was your family expectation around post-secondary education? And then the second piece was, going back to where you grew up, what was the local geographic region's expectation around post-secondary education? Yeah, so um, where I grew up is kind of a complicated question. I moved around a couple times. Um, The easiest way to put that is I grew up on the East Coast um, in between uh, Massachusetts and Washington, D.C. But yeah, as far as in the everywhere I lived there, the expectation for everyone was to go to a good college, get a good degree, mm. um, and uh, start working, um, you know, and that was my family's expectation as well. There was never any question I would do anything different. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like over here going, oh gosh, yes, I grew up outside of DC and the expectation is not just going to school, it is going to a good school and then getting that like the foot in the door for the, like the grind for this career path that's going to, you know, make you money and you're going to be hustling for the rest of your life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's, <laughs> um, that's just what it is. I didn't know anything different. It was, this is how your life is going to be um, when I mm. grew up. And I never saw anything wrong with that. And I don't even necessarily see it wrong with people pursuing that path now. Mm. Um, it is not the path I necessarily took. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it brought me to a point, um, where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy with I'm at today and my, my education experience. Well, that is a good segue. So let's talk about exactly like, where did you go? What happened post high school? So I went to university of Denver. Um, I, I loved it. It was actually my last choice in in schools um i i tried to apply for some pretty prestigious schools um and i got in everywhere i applied and kind of last minute um i made the decision i kind of wanted to go against the grain um of what was kind of put in front of me um and also university of denver um 
has something called the LEP program and me being dyslexic among a couple other things, I felt as though I would have less pressure and I would have the support I needed. And it's still, it's not a bad school, um, you know, uh, so I would still get a good education. Um, and, you know, a little backstory on that. I had a pretty uh, difficult senior year in high school um, that kind of, I think, really shifted my view of the world and, and caused a lot of other issues with that. Um, is that a couple months before graduating high school, one of my best friends um, committed suicide and really just shifted what I wanted out of my life and also kind of put me on a path with struggles with my own mental health issues. Yeah, I can imagine, right? Like the the fact that you have this major transition on the horizon is already stressful enough to then lose uh, a close friend. I mean, that, like you said, that just changed it, changed your entire outlook on life. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, um, you know, I think maybe to this day, the most difficult thing I had to deal with. Um, mm. And I had a pretty conscious decision that I didn't, I wanted something less stressful um, uh, college-wise. Uh, hindsight 2020, right? I think I could have done fine in anywhere I went. Um, but realistically, I neglected at that time and throughout a lot of my time in college with uh, truly dealing with it and all my mental health issues that came along with that, um, mm -hmm. which caused me um, a lot of issues uh, in college. Uh, you know, I the, the whole four-year uh, college experience was, was not mine. It was quite <laughs> a bit longer. Um, with coming in and out, uh, you know, I, I entered treatment a couple times. I, I took time off to, you know, quote-unquote, I wanted to find myself. Um, mm. And anything but look inwards and deal with my issues, uh, blaming everything else that was going on in my life, you know. And it, I, I have a strong belief that a lot of my struggles uh, in my college career were from that event. Hmm. Um, no doubt, no doubt. So, I mean, I think it's fair to say that your college experience was. Um, longer than what society says that we're supposed to expect, right? That four-year piece, which is like actually the majority of us still completed four years, but it sounds like it was absolutely rocky um, as you were wrestling with uh, your mental health. And so I'm just kind of curious too, I am going to go off script, even though I said I wasn't going to. I'm That's totally going to ask. That's fine. I'm totally asking. Because I think you actually did. I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the LEP program because we actually had um, Elliot Andre is another guest on the Success is Subjective podcast um, who also went to the University of Denver and was um, connected to the LEP program for his dyslexia as well. But I'm curious if there were other offices on campus that you were leaning on kind of throughout, uh, you, like you said, you went to treatment a couple times. And so thinking through just kind of navigating higher education and or not. Right. Like. Yes. Yeah, so there was other um, departments that could have helped me, but I neglected to utilize them. Um, OK. And, and, you know, big part of my issue really wasn't until the end of my college career that I. I actually started using resources that were available to me, um, which would have made my life 
so much easier um, <laughs> if I had, you know, listened to people and taken advice and used what was available to me. Yeah. But, and I go back to this piece of like, for somebody who's struggling with mental health, and like you said, like projecting outwards, right? Like no, no inward focus on doing that work that's needed internally. Like it's hard to be able, I would say damn near impossible to think about the resources that you could be taking advantage of when in reality, like you're, you can't function. Yeah. And, you know, I, my family has always been supportive and in me and everything I do. Um, but me being so far away from them, uh, you know, they're all on the East coast. They weren't able to see what was really going on. Um, they just saw, uh, the grades at first. Um, mm. and that was when I enrolled after my first, uh, they call them quarters there at, in the LAP program. Um, and which was actually extremely useful and helpful. Um, and I really did utilize that. Um, as far as using help, I did the bare minimum of what was available there. Sure. So, so how long did it actually take you to get your degree? Did you graduate from the University of Denver? And then I'd love to hear a little bit even about that initial transition post-graduation. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, I never finished my degree. I am very close and it is something I was going to start was planning on finishing last year and with COVID it kind of put my world into a, mm. um, a spin, right. As with everyone else. Um, yeah. but it is something I plan to do. And, um, I had all intents and purposes to return to school. Um, but basically I was one quarter away from graduating, which is almost nothing. Um, but I had, um, I dropped out of college to go to treatment and, I told myself I really needed to take a year um, and like find true stability. Um, it was always there waiting for me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, never graduated. Um, I am hoping to do that in the next year or so and uh, take some classes. Um, but as far as my life after school, even though I didn't finish that degree, um, uh, it, it has been amazing. Um, you know, uh, I left the University of Denver in 2017 to uh, go to Texas to go to a residential treatment center. Um, and my plan was return to Denver, but I never did. Through that, um, you know, I'm in long-term recovery from addiction. Uh, you know, I've been sober uh, since 2017. Um, I found a different path that didn't necessarily need me to finish my degree um, mm -hmm. that has given me fulfillment, success, um, you know, that I never thought I would be able to attain, um, you know, and I'll, I use a lot of my knowledge from college in my career. Um, mm -hmm. I just haven't finished, uh, haven't got that degree yet. And that's okay, right? I think I, I'm glad you actually mentioned the piece about um, t like basically dedicating a full year to like complete stability and recovery before or like not until after that point thinking about school. It was just like your health, your well-being was prioritized. And gosh, I wish more people, young people specifically, would 
take what you just shared and own that because I feel like that is something that I'm constantly up against is this timeline or urgency to return to school as quickly as possible and not thinking that taking a whole year in the grand scheme of things is actually like it's going to go by quickly and college isn't going anywhere, right? It's ready for you when you're at a place to return, but yet the young adult and the parents, actually, sometimes the parents are the hardest part in the process of like, nope, we, you know, my my child needs to get back on campus by August. And it's just like, that's not enough time. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I was in that situation. Um, I And I, even with pressure with my family was, even though they were supportive, were wanting me to go back to school. And the way uh, University of Denver is set up on the quarter system, what typically falls under for a semester system, fall and spring court, in spring semester, there's three units in there. Um, and so frequently what I was able to do a couple of years was um, take that third unit off in the summer to try to get back on track and but always with the idea of returning in the fall, which I always did, and it, it never went according to plan. Um, you know, I think if, you know, I had done this year earlier in my life, uh, I wouldn't have had such a treacherous six years um, at DU. Um, it would have been dealt with because really once I agreed and committed to dealing with all my issues, I was able to. But that is the beauty of the developing brain, right? Yeah. You, were, you were not ready at 18, 19, or 22, you know? <laughs> You're listening to the Success is Subjective podcast, and I'm your host, Joanna Lilly. As a reminder, if you missed any past episodes, you can catch them on Apple Podcasts. My guest today is Robert McCaslin. So, Robert, back to what it was that we were just talking about. You've already said, like, hey, you're working right now and the things that you're doing, like you don't need a college degree. So that's awesome. So let's, let's shameless plug. What are you doing? Right? Because I know you've got a couple irons in the fire. And then I'm going to ask you the question that's completely loaded that I ask all of my guests, which is, do you see yourself as successful? Yes, I do see myself as successful. And it's kind of hard for me to say that because I'm kind of pretty critical of myself. Um, but absolutely, um, even three years ago where I was, I'm miles away from anything that I thought I was going to accomplish ever in my life. Um, and now going into what I do, uh, there's a couple things, right? Uh, so I am title-wise Director of Business Development for Alta Loma. Um, and really what that means is I run all marketing and admissions for us. Um, and what is Altaloma? Altaloma is long-term primary mental health treatment. Um, we have all levels of care, primary treatment, extended care, supportive living. Um, our goal and focus is higher acuity mental health um, diagnoses, such as schizophrenia, schizoaffective, bipolar type 1, um, and personality disorders, uh, with or without substance abuse. Um, and something pretty unique about us is we do have a specialty in Asperger's, um, you know, because they can be uh, pretty unique to work with um, and don't do well in larger settings. And we actually have a board certified behavioral analyst on staff um, to work with those clients. Um, you know, our, our genesis uh, 
for Ultaloma was trying to find a good treatment center for someone who was bipolar type 1, Asperger's, and some, not super severe, but some substance abuse. Um, so that's kind of where we modeled our program after. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, really love what we do. Um, I took an even better, in terms of pay, job to uh, come help start Altaloma. Uh, and so I, I really have a, a big belief in what we do. And, um, you know, I love every minute. Well, I can't say every minute. I love m almost all of my job. Um, <laughs> I was like, come on, it, it can't be perfect. Yeah, and nothing <laughs> is perfect, but um, I can't imagine a better uh, work situation for myself. Okay, great. So what else are you doing? So outside of that, in South Austin, I have two um, men's sober livings. Um, uh, we are uh, abstinence-based, meet you where you are, um, sober living. They're both in South Austin. Uh, and my genesis for that was I had always been anti-sober living in my treatment experiences. And someone convinced me. And I had this amazing experience at sober living, so much so that I started working for them. Um, and then they closed down. And I said, well, I really want to recreate this. Um, and so that's what I did. Um, and, you know, those two things combined... Um, bring me a ton of joy. I going through college, I never thought I would have a job or do any kind of work that I enjoy. Um, mm. I went for hotels management. I've never worked a in a hotel a day in my life. Um, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it all led me to where I am today. Um, and, uh, you know, my biggest, I think measurement for my success is my happiness. And without a doubt, I am happy in what I do and where my life is. All right. So then the follow-up becomes, if you could give uh, some piece of advice to a young person who is struggling, right? Like somebody who chooses to go to college 2000 miles away from their, like, you know, height, their, their family, or somebody, like you said, who just um, had a traumatic experience before enrolling in school or, or kind of just continues to what feels like fit a, a square peg in a round hole um, in terms of taking care of yourself but the stop start in higher education. I'm like rambling, right? I'm like really like micro summarizing some of your experiences to like allude to if you could give some piece of advice to a, a you know, a, a young adult, what piece of advice would you give them? That's a hard question. Um, you know, if it's someone with similar struggles to me, I would say, take the time off, find yourself, get the help you need. Um, don't put a timeline on getting well because I did that to myself and that wasn't just because of pressure from my family. Um, that's something I also pushed myself to do and it, um, it didn't work. Um, and another big thing is there is tons of help on all college campuses. Um, you just have to go and it can be really scary and embarrassing. Um, but do it. It's it's worth it. <laughs> I'm over here giggling because I'm like, oh, my gosh, having worked in higher education, literally you could show up on anybody's like doorstep 
right? It could be, you know, even if you're not living in a residence hall, you could walk into a residence hall and just find the resident director and say, I need help, right? And that person will guide you to who you actually need help with. But it really is like, there's so much help at, at a student's fingertips. But like you said, how embarrassing or how like frightening or any of those emotions can that be to like go in and be vulnerable and say, I need help. Yeah. Even your professors, most of them, I can't speak generally, but um, you know, before I left DU, I had a professor come to me and say, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're going through some struggles in your life. Um, And he shared a little bit of his personal experience and gave me some advice. Um, And, uh, you know, his struggles were my struggles and he could really see, even though I, you know, uh, I thought I was kind of all good on the outside. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, it made a huge impact on me and I probably could have gone to him, gone to anyone at that school. Like you were saying, um, I didn't have to wait for someone to come to me. Um, yeah, a lot of it is fear, right? Um, we can get really philosophical, but you know, I always felt, (laughs) uh, I'm a man. I need to be able to deal with my own problems. I don't Mm. need help. You know, I can do this. And, um, that's knowing that people want to help, especially people in places that like colleges, Mm -hmm. um, like they care. Yeah. Right. They wouldn't be working in higher ed if they didn't actually care. That's so important. Okay. So then quickly, right. You talked a little bit about some of the jobs that you have or like, you know, what it is that you're doing right now. So how can people actually connect with you right now? Robert, you can call me, text me. Um, (laughs) My cell phone is always on. Um, My number is 737-444-5900. I'm happy to talk to anyone at any time and leave me a message. Great. And we'll make sure that that along with your email address, the links to both the Sober Livings as well as Altaloma are listed in the podcast notes. Robert, thank you again for sharing your journey. Uh, I know somebody's going to listen in, maybe somebody similar to like your professor, right? Like, hey, I see your struggles. Maybe they're going to hear your story and say, hey, that's me. Um, And they'll connect with you and hopefully that will happen. So thank you again for sharing your story. Yeah, thank you for having me. And to that person struggling, um, my number, call me, even if it's just a talk. I'm happy to be there for you. for this week's success is subjective episode stay tuned for our next episode where you can bet it'll be another amazing human sharing their very personal story with the world you can follow me joanna on instagram at lily consulting and on facebook at lily consulting llc most importantly though check out the resources link on my website at lilyconsulting.com and that's l-i-l-l-e-y consulting.com or you can just search on google for lily consulting you can also download and subscribe to listen to the successes subjective interviews on any popular podcast app such as apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, soundcloud spotify stitcher and tune in radio make sure you check out the show notes where you'll find 
contact information, website details, links to articles, and all social media for our guest. Once again, thank you to parenttrainers.com for sponsoring this podcast series. And thank you, our listener, for tuning in. And remember, there is no single path through life. Success is what you make it.